Well, good morning, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm wondering how many of you were awake at 7.30 this morning? How many of you are awake? Okay, so most of us, but probably not all of us. I thought that might be true. What I wondered is, what if you had received a phone call this morning? For those of you who are over 30, that's what that done thing does when it rings, you know, and you talk to somebody on it, you know, just text them. Um, what if somebody called you this morning and hey, said, hey, uh, somebody from church called you and said, hey, we need somebody to come and uh, unjam the front door. It's locked and we just can't get it open. Could you come over and unlock the door, for, you know, kind of figure that out for us? Or could you come over and help to greet people at the front door as they come in this morning? We forgot to arrange that. Or could you come and check children in in the lobby? Or could you come and staff the nursery, help us to take care of our, our infants or, or in the toddler care room? Or could you come and run the soundboard or the live stream cameras for this mor- us this morning? The person who was going to do those things isn't, can't do it. Or could you come and play uh, the guitar or the piano for the worship set? Or could you give your testimony? Yeah, Jeremy coughed on that one. <laughs> or could you come and give your testimony during the worship service? We wanted someone to do that. And which of those things would you have said, sure, I can do that. No problem. And which of those things would you have thought, no, not me. Which of those things would have left you in a panic thinking, I'm the last person who should be asked to do that, that thing. Or what if the caller had asked you to uh, make the coffee this morning and have it ready by 10.15 as we wrap up our worship service? Or had asked you to walk through the lobby and the hallways to kind of keep an eye on things and just notice if anything unusual is happening? Or maybe to teach a next steps class for uh, elementary school age children or or, uh, to teach a next steps class for adults or even to stay until everyone had gone to make sure the building was locked up and the lights were all out. Which of those things could you do easily and which of those would be a stretch? Probably we each have different answers. We would each check different things on that list, I would guess. But you know, the truth is that we need someone to do all of those things to help our Sunday mornings flow smoothly. And this gives me a chance to, uh, to thank those of you, everyone who did one of those things today to help make today work smoothly Um, I just have something I want to say to you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We need people who are able to contribute in those different ways every week. And thank you as well to those of you who made our junior high retreat happen on Friday and Saturday this weekend. And to those of you who were here and made, helped to make women's Bible studies happen uh, in the morning on Wednesday and in the evening on Wednesday. Or those of you who were here in the evening and helped make pioneer clubs happen. Or those of you here who were here uh, last Sunday and then also on Saturday to help make the memorial service for uh, Joanne Zimmerman go so smoothly. And the meal afterwards. All of those different ways that you contributed to our life together. The truth is that we each make different contributions to our life together on Sundays and throughout the week. And it's, it's important to know what your gifts are, what your strengths are, what you do uh, easily and well what kinds of things, probably the area of gifting for you is the, is the thing that comes e- so easily to you that you think, this is so obvious, why, isn't, why aren't they taking care of this? Whatever it is about our life together that seems obviously uh, easy to fix to you is probably touching on an area of gifting for you. Or maybe it's an area that um, you think about um, at, uh, at night, like when you're, when you're dreaming about how the world could be a better place. 
whether it's in your workplace or here in, at church, the things that you're thinking about that would be easy to improve, those are probably touching in an area of gifting for you. Well, over the years that I've tried out different things, I've learned that some of my strengths are in the areas of, of teaching, of leading. I really enjoy coordinating the work of other people. Um, I enjoy and, and seem to have some ability with wisdom decisions and um, trying to be wise as we move forward. Um, can I lead worship? Well, it depends who you ask. I mean, I love music and I love to sing, but, and I did, uh, I did take guitar lessons in high school, um, but I was always more of a technician than an artist. And so my, my ability with the guitar is a little bit more limited. Um, those of you who know my parents' history know that uh, they planted a church in southern New Jersey many years ago, and that started in their living room, and I was the only person who had any instrument, any musical instrument ability at all, so I kind of hacked my way through some worship choruses there, but that was in a living room, and I wasn't really very good at it. They were very kind, I guess, because the pool was kind of limited. Um, could I do children's ministry? Actually, yes, I enjoy children's ministry. I don't have as many opportunities to do that in my current role. But when our children were younger, uh, we, looked, we were looking for ways to serve as a family all together. And so we would sign up for the nursery as a family and serve in there on Sunday mornings on a regular basis. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but it's, it's not one of my primary strengths. So I think it's, that's one of the things I want you to think about this morning is what are your gifts? What are your strengths? It's also important to be clear about why you serve. This morning as we talk about serving together, why do you serve? What's your main reason for doing one of these things? Maybe some of you would say, well, I, I serve in this way because I like to do it. That's, that's a good reason, right? I like to do it. Or maybe I'm good at it. It comes easily to me. That's a great reason uh, to do something, to serve in some way. Or you might say, I do it because people praise me when I do it. Well, that's probably okay, but if that's the main reason you're doing it, I mean, it's, it's fine to, to receive affirmation and appreciation for what you do, but if that's your main reason, that's probably not as okay. Or what if you were to say, I, I serve in this way so I can list it on my resume? No, let's not do that. At least not in a church. Maybe you do that in an internship or in a, a work setting. Uh, or maybe you do it because it's a task that needs to be done. I know that this needs to happen. And that, that's probably okay, as long as it's not the only and the main reason you do something. But I think the best reason for why we serve, especially in a context like in our congregation, is, is to be part of what God is doing. To, uh, to be part of what God is building or what God is doing among us. To be strengthening or building up our life together to contribute to what God is doing here. So this morning, as we wrap up the sermon series that we've been in, we're calling Healthy Church Building Community. In this series, we've been focusing on our mission statement, on the second phrase in our mission statement. We talk about enjoying God, loving each other, and blessing our neighbors, and we've been focused on that second phrase there. What does loving each other mean? Why is it important, and how, how does it work exactly? So our focus today is on serving together, on seeing God build an amazing community here in our congregation and I think God does that for three, at least three reasons. And one of them is for our joy. One of the reasons why God gives us Christian community to be a part of is for our joy. A second reason he does it is so that we can together bless our neighbors, so that there's overflow out of our life together, that we bring hope to the neighbors and the communities around us. And I think a third reason God gives us 
community and builds what we've been talking about is for his glory. He does it to bring praise and honor to himself. He does it for our joy, for the, for the blessing of our neighbors and for his glory. And so today what I want to do in this sermon is I want to look at three things with you. I want to spend most of my time looking at Paul's picture of how this works in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul's picture of how this works. And then I want to talk briefly about how, why that picture is difficult for us to live into as individualists and as consumers. Remember two weeks ago I talked about individualism and consumerism. And I want to talk about how those present challenges for what Paul calls us to in 1 Corinthians 12. And then I want to end by just briefly giving you two specific steps you can take toward being a part of this picture and this picture becoming a reality here among us at Mount Joy Mennonite Church. So let's start with Paul's picture of how this works. If you have a Bible with you or a device that lets you follow along in the Bible, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read down through there and and comment on some of the the verses there. But in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul describes uh, what it looks like when when God's people are working together smoothly, when God's people are serving together, loving each other well. And he does so by using an analogy. He makes an analogy to the human body. He says that when a faith community or a congregation is working together smoothly, it's like a healthy human body where all the parts are contributing to the health and the functioning of the whole, where your body is healthy enough to do what it's designed to do to accomplish the things you have in mind for it. He says that no one part of the body is able to do everything. I mean, if you stop and think about that a little bit, you realize that's true. No one part of our bodies is able to do everything that all the other parts can do. That's why we have, that's why they're fitted together into a body. Each part of the body has an important contribution to make to the flourishing of the body. Paul says here that when we surrender our lives to Christ, he gives us different gifts or different strengths, different ways to contribute to the overall functioning of what's happening in a particular faith community or in a particular congregation. So I'm going to start reading in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says there are different kinds of gifts. And by the way, in this chapter and in the, in the next two chapters of 1 Corinthians, Paul's main focus is on being united together. So one of the things you'll notice as I read this morning is how many times he talks about the one spirit, about working together. It's gonna, it just pops up over and over and over again. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The word manifestation there means just the the evidence of or the sign that the Spirit is at working, is at work. So he says um, to everyone, to each one, the, the, the manifestation, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work is given for the common good. In other words, God gives you strengths and gifts and abilities not for your own entertainment. God doesn't help you be good at something for your own entertainment or or to make you famous. He gives you those abilities for the common good, to, to invest in our life together. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another person, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another person, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Every time he refers to the one Spirit, The one spirit, it's all coming from the same spirit. To another person, faith by the same spirit. I read that. To another, miraculous powers. To another person, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits or discerning uh, uh, good spirits and bad spirits. 
to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. These are examples of the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit may give one or, uh, one or more of us in order to build up our body, in order to build up our life together. And he says we are, these are all given for the common good. There are more examples that he gives at the end of the chapter, uh, down in verses 28 and following. He gives some other examples of the gifts that the Holy Spirit might give. Verse 11 says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Again, this theme, we're, we're all contributors, but we're meant to fit together into one body. The parts fit together in one body. So the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. This is, seems really obvious when you think about your, your own body, but he's applying this directly to um, a, a faith community or to a, a body of believers in a particular place. And he's hoping that by the analogy, we're thinking, oh, we need to fit together as, as well as, as smoothly as our body parts fit together. Verse 15 says, uh, the foot can't say that because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. Like your foot, that wouldn't make any sense for you to say, well, I'm, I'm just a foot, I'm not a hand, so I don't, I don't belong. I don't really have anything to contribute. Or if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body either. That's nonsensical, right? Because if we didn't have an ear, how would we hear anything, right? Uh, if the whole body were an eye, he says, where, how would you be able to hear anything? If your whole body was an eye, how would you smell anything? How would you taste anything? We just, it, realize it doesn't make any sense. Verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. There are many parts, but one body. So none of us, the, the, the analogy, the extension is that none of us is the whole body. The whole body is not about any one of us, no matter which part we are, no matter which contributions we make. And, and there, I think we, we kind of get into, we start thinking about, how, how much of a problem that is for you and I who think like individualists, who think about ourselves first. And probably often in our, in our journey of following Jesus, we're tempted to focus primarily on how am I doing with Jesus? It's me and Jesus. That's really what's important. But if we're each solo Christians, how would the overall body of Christ ever be able to do anything? If it's just Jesus and me, how would we together be able to do anything? I mean, even if I have strengths in teaching or in coordinating, um, I need people to be taught. I need people to coordinate, right? Those gifts are meaningless if, I, if there's nobody to interact with. And if that's all we do, if that's all that got done in the body of Christ, who would do all of the other things I listed at the beginning? How would the other things be cared for if we were all about just what I could accomplish? I think as Paul says here, if you are... Um, if you think of yourself as just one part of a body, maybe think of yourself as an eye. Like if, if, if I were just an eye, I represented an eye in the body, no matter how beautiful it is, no matter how perfect its vision is, by itself, it's useless. All of its strengths are worthless if the eye is just over here in isolation. It might be great, but 
and all of those things are good about it, but it, it needs the body in, to flourish, to be what it is. I mean, our, our, our human, you know, the, the eye in my body needs a, a, a head in which to locate, right? It needs an optic nerve to take its data back to, I need a brain for somewhere to, for those data to go to be processed. And I need the rest of my body to carry out what my eye is, you know, to react to whatever my eye is seeing. All of those things have to fit together. None of the eye's strengths matter if it's all alone. I wouldn't be able to taste anything or smell anything. I wouldn't be able to hear anything or touch anything. I couldn't go anywhere if I were just an eye. All I could do, well, I couldn't even really see because seeing, it requires the parts that I mentioned. Paul says in verse 25 that God's desire and God's design is that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now he says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I know this is true. And you do too. I mean, recently I was uh, slicing tomatoes to put on a salad and the tomatoes were kind of small. So I was holding them closely and I had a knife down here and I nicked my my thumb with the knife. And it wasn't just my thumb that hurt, uh, that got involved, right? Because immediately I, I used my arm to lift it up to my mouth, two other body parts to try to stop the bleeding. And then my, my legs and my feet took me over to the medicine cabinet to get a Band-Aid. My other hand helped to put it on there. So all my body part, my, my eyes, I guess, was, were looking at it. I could see what was going on, but I could feel it. But it impacts all of your body. And you know that's true if you're sick, if you're not feeling well. Maybe it's just a headache. Or maybe it's a back pain. Those things impact your whole body. And Paul's point here is that the same thing is true in a body of believers, if one of us is in pain, if one of us is struggling, we're all hurting. We all rally around and we care. Paul goes on to say in chapter 13 that you can speak in tongues like a pro. You can prophesy like Isaiah. You can understand everything that happens, everything you encounter, everything that comes at you. Maybe you can even have, do miracles. You can have miracle working faith or you can be a giver of heroic proportions and be the, the favorite of your congregation because you give so much money. But what does he say in chapter 13? Those are all wonderful strengths. But if you can't get along with other people, they're all worthless. They're all useless. We think they're great, and they are. But in the absence of being able to get along with your brothers and sisters who have other gifts, if you can't love them, if you can't serve them, you can't cooperate with them, your own gifts and abilities are useless. I think we've mentioned several times where Jesus says the way that people will know you're my disciples, my followers, is by how extraordinary your love is for each other. People who we wouldn't expect to be loving and serving and caring for each other are doing so in the body of Christ. That's how people will know you're my disciples. That's because the body of Christ or church, however you want to phrase it, is a team sport. It's like basketball or football or whatever your favorite team sport is. It's a team sport. Or maybe if you're not a sports person, it's, it's like an orchestra. It's like a choir where you need all of the parts blended together, working together smoothly in order for the whole to function as it should. It's worth keeping in mind that 
no one can see Jesus' physical body anymore. Jesus was raised to a glorified body, but then he was ascended at the end of his time here on earth. That's because together you and I are the body of Christ in the world today. We are the way people see Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us and among us. You and I together are now his body. We are the the visible, the touchable hands and feet and mouth of Jesus in our world. The church is meant to be, our, our faith communities are meant to be how the world will know who Jesus is. So it's really important that we get along with each other and that we work things out and that we blend together as seamlessly as the parts of our bodies do. Because the the people of God are meant to be a a joyful community, a, um, a creative, loving, grateful community, a gracious people who are serving each other and caring for each other, who are challenging each other, encouraging each other, caring for each other and worshiping together. And when we see that happening in the world, we have a little foretaste of the world to come. When we were saying this morning, come Lord Jesus, part of what we're longing for is the time when he'll set all things right. And when we live together in this way, when we cooperate with each other in this way, we get a little bit of a foretaste of what that's going to be like in the future. We're still going to be different from each other. We're not all going to instantly be cookie cutter people. We're still going to be different from each other in unique ways. But by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, we can work together in the way he intended. And I hope that we can, I I think this is happening among us. It's one of the joys of our life together. We're not perfect and we miss the mark sometimes. But part of what is, is wonderful about a life together in a congregation like ours is that this is happening in many different ways. And my hope is that we would just get better and better at doing this as we, as we continue to see the Holy Spirit at work among us, deepening our connections to each other. One of the things I've told uh, each of our pastors, each, everybody who's on staff, each of our lay ministers at one time or another is that one of my goals for you is for you to be functioning in an area of ministry that, is, uh, that's, that, meets your, that uh, matches your gifts or your passions. I want you to be serving in an area where it's, it feels like it's, it's fun for you, it's flowing for you. Yeah, you're, you're volunteering, you fill a particular role, but you do it because it flows out of who you are, because of how God's designed you, an area of passion for you. Some of, for some of you, this may be, uh, you're, you're figuring out what your strengths are, and so maybe the role that you're currently in is one that fits that description. Or maybe you're being prepared for a future role where that's gonna happen for you, that you're going to be able to work or, or, or volunteer in an area that fits your gifts and your passions. And I would urge you to, to think about this and to continue to make adjustments in the way you spend your time, whether it's in your work life or in your uh, volunteering here at church or in other, volunteering in other places, that you continue to make adjustments so that more and more of your time is spent in areas that fit your gifting and your passion. I think that's really important because longevity in a role, uh, being able to do it over the long haul and, and experiencing joy in your work or joy in your service is connected to serving in an area of passion or gifting. It also, though, I think comes from being able to hang in there and to, 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 to serve with joy is also connected to making a larger contribution, to making a difference in the world, to a feeling that um, what I'm doing matters. It matters in the world. It reminds me of a, of a question uh, from Steve Jobs that I've heard quoted many times. Steve Jobs was the, uh, <clears throat> was the energy or the passion behind the Apple computer company in its early days. Uh, but he wasn't a very good CEO. He wasn't very good with people. 
He, wasn't just, he just wasn't very good at running the company. He had lots of vision. He had a lot of passion for the vision that he could see for the products he wanted to produce. So he was um, part of the team that was looking for an, a, a CEO to help run the company, um, somebody with a different skill set than his own who could complement him and help to run the company in a good way. And the best candidate at the, at the time was a man named John Scully. Scully was an executive with the Pepsi-Cola company. And in, in the process of interviewing him, Jobs is said to have asked Scully, do you want to spend the, li- the rest of your life selling sugar water? Or do you want to help me change the world? <laughs> I never forgot that question. Do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water? Or do you want to come and help me change the world? Well, Scully uh, fell for the question because he joined Apple Computers and he was with them for a time. But I think something like that same question is offered to us. You know, do you want to uh, focus on your own stuff? Do you want to focus on trivial things? Or do you want to help us work together to change the world? Because the Bible tells us that the the church is the means by which, the people of God are the means by which God is going to change the world. I mean, we have impacts in all the the places that that we go and where we serve. But together... We are God's people on mission to change the world. Okay, so that was Paul's picture of this body, of how it works for 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not going to spend as much time in the last two, thankfully. Uh, Brief note on why this is challenging for us as individualists and consumers, and then two steps that you can take. I think this is, if you think about this, if you connect this to what it, how we think, this is a little tricky for us, this whole idea of being joined together, of cooperating together. It's tricky for us because as individualists, if, as an individualist, I think about myself first. I think about me. It's all about me and how this is working out for me and whether or not this pleases me. And when I'm thinking like a consumer, I'm thinking, how, I, how can I pick and choose the things that please me? Well, that's really completely different, completely upside down from what we've been talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. Well, we're not thinking about ourselves. I mean, we're aware of who we are, but we're not thinking about ourselves first and foremost. We're thinking about we and how God is at work among us, not just what's happening in me. The more I think like an individualist or like a consumer, the more tempted I am to think that my experience with God or my experience in the church should mainly be about me, what pleases me. And while those things are definitely part of God's blessing in our lives, obviously there's a personal dimension to following Jesus, what's good for me actually unfolds more naturally when we are focused outward. When I'm focused on loving and serving you, my, my life is a much more peaceful, much more satisfied life. When, when you're focused on serving the neighbors around you, blessing them, loving them, serving them, that's where the deepest satisfactions come from. When I'm focused outward on loving and serving God, I find that I get taken care of because God takes care of me. But the more fully steeped you are, the more fully your thinking is shaped by individualism and consumerism, the more the more weird all this is sounding will sound to you, the more upside down and backwards it's going to sound. But you know, the irony is that uh, the more you approach church or Christian community like an individual consumer, the less you're going to be satisfied with it. The less likely you are to be satisfied with it. The more you treat our life together like a spiritual vending machine where it's mostly my, my, my transactions with 
my faith community are mostly about what it does for me and how I experience it, the less satisfied you are going to be with, with this congregation or any other for that matter. This isn't just specific to us. The less satisfied you're likely to be with any church, any faith community, if it's your spiritual vending machine. And that's, I think that's mainly because the thing that you truly long for, what you're truly longing for is only available through deeper connections, through getting involved, through working through the joys and the challenges of serving and loving with other imperfect people, through the giving and receiving of care. The more fully you surrender to God's call on your life and the more you invest in Christian community, the more deeply satisfying your life is going to be. It may not always be more fun. And as Pastor Jeremy told us last week, it may not be more, com- may, may not be more comfortable. We're not called to comfort necessarily, although we, str- we all kind of long for it. We want to be comfortable. But the call of God is not for us to be more comfortable. The call of God is for us to love more deeply. And the truth is that the more you invest, the more deeply you plug in, the more deeply you will be loved. The more deeply you will be formed by the Holy Spirit and by the the work that he's doing among us, the richer you'll be in relationships and the greater your impact will be on the world around you. We, we know this is true. We just don't often stop to think about it that much because it's very similar to the way things work in marriages or in long-term friendships, right? Because to be peacefully, happily married for a long time or to be uh, someone's faithful friend over many years you have to say no, at least to some extent, to your individualism, right? Individualism is I'm thinking, I'm free to be me, me first, leave me alone. Well, how's that gonna work in a friendship, in a, in a deep, connected friendship, or in a marriage? You can't, you can't have that be your primary way of approaching things. Or as a consumer where I'm thinking, I picked you, friend, or I picked you, spouse, to please me. You're not pleasing me right now. What is your problem? You're not doing your job. I'm the consumer here. I get to pick and choose the things that please me. I think I might need to trade you in for a different friend or a different spouse. After all, I'm a consumer. I have this remote in my hand, remember? You at least have to tone down. I'm not saying you never think about yourself and what you want or what you need. Those are important But those can't be the overriding concern because you know what? The the teaching of Jesus is that self-sacrificing love is one of the main keys to living the way God calls us to live. The ability, the willingness to sacrifice my desires is one of the main keys to a a, a long-standing, a healthy marriage, to a long-standing and faithful friendship. You have to set aside your individualism and your consumerism. I had a, a good friend who was widowed several years ago. He was, um, his wife was diagnosed with brain cancer, very surprisingly, this, this wonderful gifted woman was diagnosed with brain cancer. And uh, at first they thought it could be treated, uh, but as it got worse, uh, he became more and more overwhelmed by, by this tragedy in her life and his life and by how to handle it, she eventually passed away. But as her cancer got worse, he withdrew more and more from his friends and whittled his friends group down to just one or two people that he stayed in touch with. 
And I was disappointed not to make that cut. <laughs> he stopped responding to my texts, stopped responding to invitations to get together. And you know, honestly, I was disappointed not to be able to walk through those darkest days with him. Not because it would have been giddy fun for me, but because I cared about my friend. I knew both of them. Nita and I knew both of them. We loved and cared for both of them. And I felt like I missed out on a window of of time, an opportunity to grow closer to him. Thankfully, we're now reconnected. He's he's still uh, recovering uh, from her death uh, several years ago, but we've been able to reconnect and uh, he's had more emotional energy to to manage that. Um, But I I felt like, like I said, like it was a missed opportunity in a longstanding friendship. We also know that your marriage or your long-term friendship is likely to be more peaceful or happier if you're actively looking for ways to please your spouse. Learning what things please them or your friend, what, what things they need or what do they want and actively looking for ways to provide those. Even if those things sometimes feel like a sacrifice for you. And you also, you actually grow closer in friendship or in marriage if you weather hard times together and you gain the experience of loving and caring for each other when it's not really glamorous. It's not fun or glamorous, and maybe it's just the two of you, and you're the only two who, knew, who know that you were there for that person, you hung in there with them. But you know, the same thing is true of our life together. The same thing is true of our life together as a congregation. Our, lives to get, our life together will be much richer if we're actively looking for ways to serve each other. Understanding what each other need or want and actively looking for ways to provide those, even if that sometimes feels like a sacrifice. And we'll actually grow closer to each other if we weather hard times together, if we have the experience of loving and caring for each other when it's not easy or glamorous and it's just the two of you and one other person that you're caring for. Nobody else knows that you're doing that, but you know and the person knows. Many many of us have had that experience in the setting of this faith community. It's part of what binds us together already. So I'm not talking about this as something that we have no experience of or that we're starting from zero. Obviously, these things, as I said, these things are at work among us, and it's a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit among us to continue to deepen this capacity and this experience among us. I'm gonna end by giving you two very specific steps you can take toward being a part of this picture here in our congregation. The first one is to fill out a gifts and interests inventory. These are, uh, uh, Bob is gonna have these, Bob Neff is gonna have these in the lobby if you wanna fill one of these out. It's called a gift and interest inventory. It, uh, it's a place for you to list areas of service in the congregation that you have experience, uh, where you have interest in an area I've, I've I have experience in serving this way or I'd be interested in serving this way. Fill one out and put it in one of our staff mailboxes and we can, we can get back to you. The staff mailboxes are on the far right, if you don't know, in the mailboxes that we have out there. Uh, fill one of these out and, and turn it back into us. It's a wonderful way to uh, think about how you are serving or how you could serve here in a way that uh, fits into how other people are serving, that builds up our life together and that flows from your gifts and your strengths. So that's one very specific uh, thing you can do. And like I said, I I acknowledge that a number of you are wearing multiple hats of service and that's wonderful. 
Um, I'm, I'm talking here primarily about maybe eva- looking at that and making sure that you're serving in areas that are, are life-giving to you. But if you're also, if you're not plugged in in, a, in specific ways, this will be a helpful guide for you. A second thing that you can do uh, would be to commit, and I invite all of you to consider this, is to commit to sharing a meal uh, once a month, at least once a month, <clears throat> for the 11 remaining months of 2023 with somebody in our congregation who's not part of your usual circle of family and friends. Obviously, continue to have wonderful meals and times with your family and friends, but in the interest of connecting more deeply with each other, I'd encourage you to find an opportunity at least once a month to share a meal with someone else in the congregation who's not part of your usual group of family and friends. You can invite them to your home. You could go out to eat together, or maybe you gather a group of people who know each other, uh, un, you know, some, some who know each other well, some who know each other less well. Or maybe you just simply look for an opportunity to sit with someone new at our next fellowship meal. We have fellowship meals three or four times a year. We have the picnic in the fall. Look for a chance to to have that meal with someone you don't know as well. Or maybe you arrange to have lunch after church with a person. Or maybe your whole Next Steps class arranges to go out to lunch together or maybe to bring food in and have lunch together as a way to connect across uh, those relationships where you're in a Next Steps class. You may not know everybody in that class as well as you could. My urging to us this morning is that by the power of the Holy Spirit among uh, power of the Holy Spirit at work among us, let's get better and better at loving and serving each other in these ways, at fitting together, so that we can be more and more this description that I read for you earlier, being a joyful community, a loving, creative, grateful, forgiving, gracious people who are serving each other, enjoying each other, challenging each other, encouraging each other. Let's love each other so well that our life together feels heavenly, (laughs) that our life together feels like the future is already here, at least in bits and pieces. And Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask you to do that work among us. I thank you that you have been doing that work among us, and I ask you to do it more and more as we open our hearts to, to your work to fit us together, to draw us together. May it please you to be among us and to remove the barriers that that remain between us so that we might love and serve each other as you intend so that the people around us can truly see what's happening here and be amazed at the power of God at work among us. For our joy, for the blessing of our neighbors, and for your glory, we pray.